Well, hey there, fellow nerds and nerdwells. I'm AJ, and welcome back to the Adventurers Anonymous podcast, the home of improvised fantasy fucknuggetry. Come join us week by week as a rotating cast of geeks sip cocktails, play Dungeons and Dragons, and seek a glorious death. Right, before we go any further, I'm duty-bound to remind you that the content from here on in is not suitable for little ears. What follows is mostly improvised and entirely inappropriate. Quite frankly, it's filthier than a coal miner's shovel. I say that every week. Listener discretion, as always, is advised. Now then, this week I am of course joined by the usual salty crew of abject depravity. First up, we have a man who, when not podcasting or playing D&D, likes to paint tiny plastic models. It's Matt Durant. How the devil are you? I'm, I'm pretty good. It's it's pretty rare for um, D&D fans to be into any other geeky figurine or model-based pursuits, but I'm I like to I like to cross that divide and uh, do that. Speaking of tiny plastic models, do you have a tiny plastic Cindy Crawford? It's like a different thing because <laughs> she's a model. Because she's a model, yeah. Jokes are always funnier when you have to explain. Yeah, them. I get it. I get it. Well, what, what are you painting at the moment? What's your, what's your current figurine? Um. Lily Cole. It's out of my reach, but I do have this uh, fabulous collection of tiny heads. Ooh. No way. That's just creepy. That's <laughs> what well, well, Winston thinks of your, your, your tiny head. You got a face full of butt. Just ass, I, I, don't know what's, I don't know what's worse, the fact we're staring at Winston's bumhole, or Matt showing us teeny tiny little severed heads on a plastic sprue. Disembodied yeah. heads and bumholes. That's, that's our podcast. I don't know, I didn't have a leg to stand on seeing as my cat showing everyone his bumhole. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a good view. Shame this is an audio medium. Right, next up we have the OG Jolly Green Giant himself. It's Mr. Chris Rag. How the dickens are you? Hello! I'm wonderful, thank you. <laughs> it's been a it's been a hot moment. Was it been like three episodes since we last saw you? It's been forever. I'm so excited to get pooping. <laughs> yeah, pooping. Exactly. We will catch you up shortly. And last but not least, we've got the man who has single-handedly redefined the concept of being a woke millennial thirst trap. <laughs> Just the one and only Chris Neal. Uh, How are you, fine sir? I might need you to explain that. Have I have I accidentally tripped into Twitter what? again? You, you what? are the what's 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 happening right now? I read up on what how the kids speak, and I just pulled a bunch of you know like hot words like woke and thirst trap, and I just you know mashed them together. Is oh is Chris a thirst trap for woke millennials, or is Chris a woke millennial that is also a thirst trap? Ah, that depends where the comma is. I believe he's a thotty. A tahotty? <laughs> that's what the kids are saying now. Oh, he's a thotty. People have been thwapping. Thwapping. Tweeting, tweeting, twatting. I need to, uh, I need to stop reading Urban Dictionary. Yogging? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That. Right. Fucking hell, enough of that shit before we get ourselves banned in the United Kingdom. Right. We just wanted to take a little hot moment here to acknowledge the fact that we found ourselves in the Apple podcast charts this week under games, which is huge. A massive thank you to all of our listeners out there who helped us achieve that. 
totally makes all the hard work that goes into this worthwhile. So, without further ado, go grab yourself a drink, pull your chair closer to the fire, and come join us for this week's episode of The Adventurer's Anonymous Podcast. Please enjoy. Right, there you go. That was the most awkward intro ever. Who works hard? (laughs) (laughs) You, You, picking out your individually, you know, craft beer cans with the little... It's true. Designer artwork on them. I did spend hard work. an hour today just like going through all the cans. Mm. It's true. You gotta find the nicest one. The nicest looking artwork, I mean. FOMO's real. Yeah. Guys, life is hard. I'm more of a special brew kind of guy myself. Yeah, we know you are. I um, just I can't be having with all this craft malarkey. Right. Come on then. It's been a hot moment. Would you like a recap before we get going? See? I think Mr. Mr. Rag might need a recap. Right, last we left off with our intrepid adventurers, they had found themselves on the road, having been fortuitously picked up by a travelling aristocrat known as Lady Wixley. Whilst they travelled up the coast, she had extended the offer for them to rest and recover for a day or two at her stately home, Wixley Manor, after their recent exertions. Who knew Belsiar's love life could be so tiring? Whilst they took this lovely carriage ride through the bucolic backgrounds, Aristobulus took the opportunity to up the ante by brainwashing the coachman and suggesting that he speed up to eye-watering velocities. Despite this, they still managed to arrive at Wixley Manor just about in one piece, having only killed a single member of the public. Not bad, all things considered. Possibly even some kind of record for them. Taking in the beauty of Wixley Manor, they settled in and rested, each getting up to different things. Belsiar took a moment to take in all of the offensive colonial artwork and historic pieces that littered the house. Coming to the realisation that the Wixley's money and estate was definitely brought at the expense of other peoples and cultures. Tatty took a stroll through the grounds, chatting to a servant, establishing that their employment contract was a little bit less than savoury. And Aristobulus took a moment to introduce himself to Jonty, the heir of the estate, who spent most of his days in a darkened room spreading his wild oats across his bedroom floor. And then there was Barbara, who had taken to hiding in Tatty's bedroom to avoid the amorous intentions of the owner's pack of demented whippets. All that before the bell could sound, calling them all together into the hall for a spot of dinner. And that is where we will pick up with this week's episode. There you go. Lots has changed, Mr. Rag. So, as far as I know, the goat killed the child. <laughs> the Yes. The shop man weren't very happy. He wasn't very happy. He was like, no. get, get me a shit. Yeah. He locked us in his shop and then locked himself That's right. in the he was... storeroom. He locked, locked himself in the storeroom. That's right. What, what did he do in the storeroom? Yeah, it's like a panic room, storeroom. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh, like, okay. Like oh. a panic room type thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he call the police or was he, was he just like, let's no. let's see who starts first? No, yeah. It was, yeah. It was kind of like the weirdest game of chicken. Like, <laughs> like, like blind chicken where you can't see each other, but you also have to make decisions. Okay. And oh, then, he had called the police because they did turn up in the form of... Carl Sodomy and Don Woodcraft. I don't think I don't think he called them. I don't think he called them, please. I think maybe there was a bit of noise. Or maybe they saw the smoke. There was a, a, a passerby or Yeah. There was smoke? Yeah, we set fire to the body. The police of, turned up. Of Jeremy. I mean of course when long story. Gotta get rid of the evidence. When a goat kills a child. You had to yeah. start the flame, Hanash. 
you you basically got loads of like magic clothes and you piled them all into a little pyre and you set fire That's to funny. Jeremy's corpse and you know the flames that licked up were multicolored because of the magical content that you were burning. Hanash started the it fire. It was quite the look. Sounds pretty. Yeah. It was always burning until it, until it stopped burning. Yeah. But he didn't shoot the deputy. <laughs> uh, and then you fled the scene. You ran through the back streets, dodging through the slums. You hid in the bushes outside the city. You had a much-earned rest. Um, and then you got picked up by this lady whose coach and horses were traveling past. Uh, why why, why did you make friends with her? Did she, did she like... Uh, I think the I think maybe the coach driver saw me um, as he was driving past, and then uh, they said they were on their way to somewhere near Port Zoon, which was where their kind of estate was. Yeah, that's right. And we wanted to go to Port Zoon anyway. Uh, I think they said they I didn't. Wixley said say that she'd pay us for the protection as well on the road. Do you know what? As I was editing the podcast the other day, she did indeed say that. So you can bring that up with her and she may give you a gold coin or a thousand. Or we can just take take what we feel we're owed. So this sounds like we got picked up and we're going to get hostiled or something. <laughs> They're very fancy boys to get hostiled, to be fair. Like, They're lovely people. Yeah. I mean, we're like... They're not lovely people. We're like five degenerates that just <laughs> come from... Burning, burning a body on the middle of the road. Like, yeah, you come to my nice, nice estate. Maybe they're not lovely people. They're not lovely people. They're not. AJ, you don't need us to explain that. You truly don't. They, no, probably not. Um, Mr. Rag, from my point of view as the dungeon master, I can tell you that th- there was two main reasons that she picked you up. One was the fact that you look like a bunch of people who could defend the, the coach from bandits and brigands and the likes on the trip up the coastline. And the other seemed to be for some sort of ridiculous upper-class sport, like having all that money made it feel like a good thing to do to find a bunch of people who were down and out and kind of pick them up and, oh, yeah. you know, show them a nice turn. Down and so, out, where no one will know where they've gone. And, and as we established, exactly. Like 20, they've lady. got 23 spare bedrooms in this manor house. Yeah. So, yeah. They have. They're not. Also, they d- also... We with a separate outhouse for the service. Did, did talk about, at the, at the very least, Belsiar and maybe Tati. Like, they were members of races that she'd never seen before. But she also didn't, like, talk about... Like, talk about us like we were people. Uh, to, but, uh, to, to her collection, maybe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting you say that, Hanash, because as Belsiar was looking around, um, he was going through one of the halls and he was looking at all the colonial paintings and all the kind of historical crap that that's lying around. And he found a taxidermied crocoborn um, that was still wearing its traditional like crocoborn garb. But he seemed to take it quite well. Do we have, um, as well, you know, as we hear the, the bell for dinner, can we, do we have, are we close enough that we can meet up and walk in together? So kind of like to do some information sharing with them. I, I think we ended the last episode with you kind of walking in together. Yeah. Uh, we hadn't, we hadn't sat you down, I don't think, but you were kind of, you were in the dining room. Um, I don't know if you want to do something together in that moment or have a word quickly. Um, I'll probably, but you're certainly in a very lavish dining room. I'll probably try and whisper to the rest of the party. Um, the 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 servants here 
might be slaves, maybe not. I'm very conscious that I'm, I'm just one little white dwarf, uh, little white gnome, should I say? Uh, and and uh, I love the way you, you don't even know your own race. Very, Sorry, it's sure. because I was it's because I was <laughs> talking about dwarves earlier for something. I don't know why. Uh, it was a work thing. We don't need to. We don't need to pick up that question. Wow. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, we'll leave that yeah, I'm very conscious that I'm just one little white gnome, uh, and uh, and white savior complex is real, uh, and I don't want to start <laughs> into these people's lives and blow up what could be not quite as bad a situation as I think it is. How about you guys? Can, can, we, can we make that... Can that be a racial trait for gnomes, that they're all just just very very well-meaning but come across as, like, just just overbearingly kind of white savory, except gnome savory? Like... Everyone, everyone knows gnomes are proficient in virtue signaling. Wow. <laughs> someone, someone has been reading upon Gen Z slang. <laughs> I have. I'm so down with the kids. Right. Yeah. So I love the fact that that was supposed to be a very quick, quiet whisper, and that turned into a massive kind of like huddle. <laughs> can, like, can I also have a quiet whisper? I think so. We've got a, like a, a, a guy like that they don't know about. I think Belsiar should swap places with the taxidermy crocoborn, switch clothes, <laughs> and be weakened at Bernie. <laughs> the, the, the taxidermy one. <laughs> so, when, so when they take us and hostel us, Belsiar can spring up and, and save us. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready I'm, to I'm roll. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to roll sleight of hand. To yeah, uh, dress myself up as a. Is this something you want to do? Before, like, before AJ has told him to literally roll something. <laughs> well, no, it's, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm here for this. I just, I just want to make sure that's Matt's intention, <laughs> as opposed to one hundred and ten percent. I swap places with the. Um, I'll need like Hanash to <laughs> like maneuver the. Um, Taxidermy crocodile in. I, do you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that's more of a um, deception check. Deception. And do you know what? As you are a crocodile, and it is a crocodile, I will give you advantage, as it is your own look and style. Long-standing D and D house rule that when you're trying to pretend to be the dead body of a, a race that's the same as your race, you get advantage. Can um, can Aristobulus also also bless? Uh, LCR as he does this. Oh no, that's attack rolls and saving throws. Now right. remind me. No, 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 that's attack rolls. Yeah, saving throws. throws. I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Papa needs a new, an old, a, a dead man's pair of shoes. <laughs> uh, that, that's a natural one and a, a, a four plus two, so that's a six. <laughs> wow. <laughs> a, 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 a one and a six. So Belsia, before going in, you all confer, and there's a little. You'll have a little whisper. And you make this plan that you will stay behind in place of the taxidermy crocoborn. And you take a moment swapping out your outfit for the taxidermied crocoborn. As the rest of the group carry very subtly the taxidermied crocoborn into the dining room. Now, as you walk into the dining room, several things hit you as a group. It's amazingly well like lit by a beautiful crystal-cut chandelier above you. There is artwork on the walls as other Wixleys look down on you from hundreds of years ago, dead Wixleys. 
There is also a small string quartet playing in the corner, playing soothing tunes. As you carry in the crocoborn, you try to seat him subtly, but you realize that the crocoborn that had been taxidermied is standing rigidly upright and rigor mortis set in many years ago as everyone else takes a seat and the rigid crocoborn is still standing to attention. So the way... In, a in my head, suit. the way we get him in with other nose in is I kind of like dance with with, with the crocoborn, like you know, like kind of <laughs> I don't know, dance but like foxtrot style, like, you know, like you, yeah, you know, like yeah, we, we got our arms and we're like we're spinning, so they can't tell that he's just in one motion the entire time. He's just <laughs> yeah, and then and then I lay uh, down. So he's just, you now face the problem that the crocoborn is upright and stiff. Um. Whilst all of this is going on, Belsia, you're obviously hiding out in the in the hall outside, standing incredibly still, trying not to breathe as a whippet runs past you. But what are you doing with the taxidermied crocoborn in this moment, being that it doesn't particularly fold very well in the middle to sit so in the seat? So I'm going to lay the taxidermied crocoborn like so it's kind of like <laughs> leaning back like diagonally across the chair so it just it just looks really really relaxed and just all cool it's like yeah whatever not a thing yep that that's fine as you lean him in you see jaunty who's sitting opposite him in the table feels something rub up against his foot as jaunty cocks an eyebrow <laughs> and looks underneath the table as a stiff crocoborn foot rubs up his thigh at an angle Emphasis on stiff. <laughs> Very How's stiff. How's that effect on people? Right. As you're all seated, Lady Wixley's been drinking since mid-afternoon and is absolutely pickled. As She's like, oh, it's delightful to see you all. I'm so glad you could come and join us. Oh, marvellous. I do like it when we can help the locals, Warburents. As Warburent readjusts the monocle in his eye and is like yes it is good it is lovely to have you here as our guests now dinner will be served shortly three courses none less now can i interest you in some wine as a sommelier comes round stopping at you tatty to offer you red or white uh i'll take uh i turn to warburns and constance was it Wixley? margaret Margaret Wixley, sorry. Um, don't know where I got fucking Constance from. Um, I, t- I, I turn to them and say, thank you very much for your, your hospitality. I'll turn to the sommelier and, and I'll say, um, uh, red, please. Uh, Pap du stank, if you have it. Ah, uh, yes. Good eye. It is indeed Pap du stank, grown locally on the stank vineyards, not five miles up the road. As uh, he pours a beautiful fruity looking red wine and as you take a sip of it some beautiful pepper you get a lovely peppery taste of the red wine as the sommelier walks round to what is supposedly belsia and says red or white uh, i kick his leg so he looks like he nods <laughs> <laughs> as, as the body twitches and shakes as you kick him two things happen simultaneously the sommelier is like oh, both it is and pours him a red and a white pulls them both into one glass of the rosé oh god as um, yes that's how they make rosé wine I believe yeah. just make red wine white wine mix, um, and shake over ice as 
yeah, as you kick him, that also twitches his leg as Jonty is like, from the other <laughs> side of the table, as Warbrance is like, Jonty, I mean, you don't join us for dinner often, but seriously, if you're going to embarrass us in front of guests, you can go back to your room and carry on thwapping. As Aristobulus is doing his very best to... Yeah, Aristobulus has taken Jonty under his wing and is... Yeah, Jonty is a full-on... Reintegrate like, him into... Sexu- like, sexual deviant, just, like, sits in his room masturbating all the time. <laughs> and Aristobulus has taken him under his wing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, as you hear the soothing tunes coming from the string quartet, um, Hanash, as, as the sommelier comes around and says, red or, red or white, sir? Are the spritz one part white, four parts lemonade, pour for four? No. Okay. As he reaches in, he's got some bandoliers of different, like, drinks on him as he reaches into a pocket of his waistcoat and pulls out various bits and just mixes you a sort of dirty spritzer on the fly. And it's like... There you go. Enjoy. Gracias. You see, um, you see a little goblin with a chef's hat scuttle through the doors at the end. Um, as you hear him say, ah, it is so good to see guests here. Dinner is served. First of all, and as you see servants come in carrying, um, plates as they lay them in front of you, the starter for this evening is uh, Coquille Saint-Jacques with choufflard, raison, and vanille. Please enjoy. As each of you has a plate with a silver cloche lifted in front of you, as you, as you see roast scallop cauliflowers with a raisin and vanilla puree and a five-spice sauce. Mm. As Warburns is like, Oh, polyester, you have outdone yourself. Please enjoy. <laughs> polyester. Or a trash name. Okay. Fair enough. Um, no offense to any polyesters out there. I think, oh, just to just to clarify as well, uh, Barbara. Is, Are you trash talking the chef? Polyester crumb. <laughs> the finest chef in all of. Now. How dare you? To clarify as well, Barbara is uh, laid down, laid, laid, laid down at my feet underneath the, underneath the table. Just, okay. just yeah, also sure. to clarify, Belsiar is listening to the sound of the food and starting to regret his decision. <laughs> but <they're> committed. <laughs> right, we're going to leave you there in the dining room. Um, Belsiar, what are you doing? So as you stand stiff and to attention, you see the whippet go round the corner um, as it cocks a leg and pisses on a curtain. It carries on round the corner. What are you doing whilst everyone else is enjoying fine food and a string quartet? I suppose I might as well make myself useful. So, following on from what Sati said, can I, I don't know, try and find some child exploitation or <laughs> bad working conditions or. And where would you u- like to look busting? For this? Uh, I'm guessing they'll be in the basement, like the the downstairs part of the upstairs downstairs dynamic. Or they say like a okay, so you know, like you, kitchens or laundry. You want to make your way into the basement? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm going to head. Yeah, try and find like the okay. servants' quarters or something. Okay. Um, as you look around, um, you see servants carrying food. They're carrying um, these sort of big platters of food to the main dining hall. As you see, they're coming out of a service hatch at the bottom of the great stairs that appears to go downwards. 
Um, there's a dumb waiter on one side uh, and a set of kind of like swing doors to the right. I'm obviously going to climb into the dumb waiter <laughs> and wait to, to be lowered down or up I, to the I, kitchen. I saw just a little twitch in Matt's smile as soon as he said dumb waiter. <laughs> I thought you were going to make the joke about it being a person who wasn't very smart. And then I was like, he's not going to do that. He's just going to climb in. <laughs> I've got to say that was my first. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to get in there, um, make me a stealth check. If you want to go unseen. Okay, come on. This is Belsiar's big day. You can see the look on Chris Neal's face. He knows this is going to go wrong. This is Belsiar's big day. I'm so confident. Okay, that's a 10. A 10. You climb in... um, Maneuvering yourself behind bits of crockery as there's a crack and a smash as you feel a sharpened piece of crockery dig into your thigh as you squeal, uh, rearranging the rest of the crockery to cover you. You see other people come in and just like um, push um, various bits of plates and, and kind of platters that have been used to serve meats onto people's you know plates out in the main dining room as you somehow have managed to conceal yourself in the dumb waiter. As you hear a bell ring below, everything goes dark as there's a shaking vibration as the dumb waiter moves downwards. Um, as you, you hear kind of the rattle of it as it travels down and then suddenly a piercing bright light as you are come into a steam-filled room that appears to be a a kitchen as you see rows upon rows of ovens and various uh, chefs running around shouting at each other um, all of which have different stations and are doing different things some are cutting vegetables some are stirring sauces and other ones are preparing kind of like meats on a on a cast iron griddle Uh, what are you doing nobody seems to have noticed you at this point in time are there any, um, like, chef, like, coats and hats that I can put on? Like, steal a, steal a hat and uh, put it on? And... You spy off to one side a wall where there is a um, chalkboard with all the different names of the chefs on and their various duties for the day. And you see to one side there are pegs on the wall that have various chef's hats and chef's whites. Right. I'm going to memorize... about. 15, 20 metres away, and you'd have to get out the dumb waiter and make your way round the edge of the kitchen. Uh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to waste a third-level spell slot to use Blink and just teleport over there and take, take, a, take a hat and a coat. Um, okay. But I need to roll a d20. This is a bit where Matt gets sucked up into an outer dimension, never to be seen ever again. Okay, 16. Uh, on a roll 16, of 11 or higher. As you, what happens if you've got 11 or lower? 10 or lower? Uh, you just don't, you just don't think blink. No, hey. nothing, nothing happens. Oh, you just don't blink, right. You don't get sucked into a portal. <laughs> into non-existence. Vanished into the nether regions. We've got a replacement anyway. Uh, as yeah. you, you vanish with a shattering of crockery and a bouncing of silver cutlery, you reappear in midair. Landing on the ground next to the chalkboard, looking over at the whites and the and the chef's hats. Uh, yeah, I'll put it, I'll, I'll I'll put it on the gear and uh, just yeah, just walk around the kitchen, tasting soup and and that sort of thing. 
as you put on chef's whites, uh, the chef whites say um, Pierre Tartare on them. Okay. Uh, as you see his name on the whiteboard, as you, as you just walk around testing people's soups and sauces. There's a lot of confused-looking chefs <laughs> who've never seen you before, but at, they're having to cook at pace to deliver this meal, and they're just that you must be some sort of like contract chef who's been brought in to. There's there's a lot of confusion. Na- naturally, going on. right? We will we will leave you with uh, your beak in the sauces <laughs> as um, we flash back upstairs to the main dining room what's what's everyone doing um i think in between bites of food uh tatty is like trying to mine the wixleys for a bit of information about the the stank estate and the things that he's heard about things that he's heard about it um yeah I think he's trying to he's trying to be subtle about it. He's not telling them that he needs to he's has promised to free someone from from that estate. But um I think um I think he said yeah, I think he says something like I I see that the way that you treat your staff and your servants is um everyone's treated very very well and paid very well. Um but I've not heard I've not heard similar things about the Stank estate being so close by. Is that something that you've heard anything about? They look at each other awkwardly in that way that there's certain things you don't talk about in polite society, religion, politics, money, and the state of your servants is apparently one of those as well. As There's a sort of awkwardness between Margaret and Warburance as after a while Margaret's like, well, a house is built on top of its servants, and, you know, without these wonderful people cooking our meals, turning down our beds, you know, tending the garden, what would this be? This house is far too big to look after on our own, so, you know, we must look after those who look after us. But as for the Stanks, well, I'm not here to cast shade on others. They are not here to defend themselves, and how they see fit to look after their house staff is is, is their their matter, their matter. I will not fling shit on their name. Plus, she is my bridge partner. Cecilia Stank is my bridge partner, so I'd best say nice words about her. Okay, yeah, it's just something I'd heard. I'd look to. I'd look. How do you know the Stanks? Pardon? How do you know the Stanks? Uh, I mean, I kind of like gesture to the state of Uslot, and I say we're a. Um, you know, we're an adventuring party. Um, we ran across someone who um, who said that they had come from the, the Stank estate and they said that they weren't treated particularly well. They were kept there against their will. No. Um, that is such a shame. It, it was just something that they said in passing. And, you know, I'm a big fan of, I'm a big fan of their wines, so I was meaning to visit anyway and seeing as we're in the area. I was hoping we'd be able to go go visit. I, th- I thought that was what you were leading with. Like, well, we're we're alcoholics, so we're very familiar with their wine. <laughs> <laughs> we're very familiar with 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 the stank bottle. <laughs> Warburns is like enough of this. Seriously, let me tell you a story about the time I managed to breed a Shetland pony and a Shire horse. Fucking amazing! Had to use a stepladder to get one and the other. Truly amazing. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Huh? As 
at this point, you, <laughs> at this point, you see a, a younger lady step into the room. She's uh, sort of in her mid twenties. She's, um, you know, like she's a well dressed, um, young lady in her mid twenties, uh, wearing a floral dress. And as she steps in, um, Margaret says, Oh, Eliza, where have you been? I heard that you came in late last night. The servants tell me everything. As Eliza kind of like wanders in, um, as she looks around, she catches eyes with you, Tatty, and she goes slightly pale. Uh, and she pauses for a second, catching her breath. And you notice she has, um, a swollen cheek on one side and the beginnings of a black eye on the other side and her knuckles are slightly scuffed as um, Margaret is says to her, what on earth have you been up to? As Eliza says, oh, yes, um, I fell off my horse. Um, I was out partying last night. I got in late. I, you know, I dropped the horse off in the stables. Unfortunately, I got a foot caught in the stirrup and, and twatted myself on the floor. Inside um, check. Yeah. These things happen. Can I can I do Ooh. an insight check on that? Okay. Yeah, make an insight check. <laughs> you just yell that at the table. And I will make insight. <laughs> yeah, you just you can hear the glassware like shaking as the gnome's like insight check. <laughs> I got a I got a five. What do I find out? Yeah, she got a thirteen for perception. Um, yeah. You got a five as you gaze at her slightly too long as you do that weird thing where you're kind of your stare lingers a little bit too long and it gets awkward as she looks over at you and gives you a weird look she's still slightly shaken having seen you all as she's not used to this kind of scenario as um yeah she seems to be on a level from what you can tell anyway as she sits down um opposite you hanash I, uh, at the table, looks at you, nods cordially, and picks at her scallop. Are there any um, napkins around? Yeah, yeah. You've got the you've got the standard thing. You've got bread rolls. You've got knives and forks that come in. So you've got three sets of knives and forks, a water glass, and a wine glass. Well, no, you've got spritzer, haven't you? Because you went off piste. So I, um, I spit yeah. into the handkerchief or into the napkin, and then I give my like. <laughs> <laughs> I give my uh, my metal rod like a little a little shine, a little shine. Yeah, I want to make myself all. You're polishing all... your rod in front of a young lady. <laughs> You're like mid twenties. As you, as you. Yeah, and and then and then afterwards, I uh, I give I give her a nod. I stand up and bow. Actually. Oh my god! Yeah. As. Um, Eliza sits down, breaks open a bread roll that's still warm and starts, you know, putting some salted butter into it. She looks up, first of all, looking at the stiff, dead form of the crocoborn <laughs> on one side, looks over at Hanash, who's polishing his rod on the other side, <laughs> shakes her head slightly and just, she's almost like pushing her dinner around the plate. She's not really interested in eating it. She's just sort of given the pretense of eating Um as she rubs Best at come the slightly dark ever. patch that's appearing underneath her left eye. <laughs> um, best come down with me. Um, yeah, 
So that's that's a thing that's happened. Um, Warburins continues telling a story about the time he managed to get a Shetland pony to impregnate a shy horse. Did they? Uh, did they tell and Margaret's this, finding it far funnier than it. Did they tell us who this person was, Liza? No. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, it's, it's clearly their daughter. Oh right. Okay. Sorry. From intonation, you can you can work out that um, that's John T's sister, John T. Gives her that kind of, do you know, that kind of um, sibling rivalry where they're kind of like, you know, giving each other shit-eating looks and pulling faces and making silly hand signals behind their parents' back. Um, yeah. There's, as, as Eliza sits down, she rubs at the rapidly darkening patch underneath her left eye where a bruise is starting to um, show up. As she looks up at you, Anash, and nods, smiling, um, as she picks a piece of salad from between her teeth, classily. Uh, I ask uh, Eliza, like, so where's, where's good to party on here? Oh, yes. Um, Port Zoon, there used to be this brilliant um, speakeasy, underground one, the kind where you need a password. It was in a discount pine warehouse. Unfortunately, it burned down um, several months ago. Very unfortunate. Something about a chihuahua. Um, there are other places, um, you know, exclusive little wine bars. I know a little place where you can get a beautiful Tempanello. Why? Are you a, do you like a tipple? Yeah, one, one or two. <laughs> Especially one good enough to Excellent. give me a black eye afterwards. Oh, <laughs> I must be more careful on my horse. I'm very sorry. Um, as... Um, she talks to you. You get the stench of cigarettes on her. Um, as she opens her mouth, you just get a waft of nicotine and kind of tar and tobacco. I don't know if that's what people who smoke smell of, but you, she, you get the waft of cigarettes. Smoke that explains the black eye. She opens her mouth. I'm the greatest detective in the world. <laughs> yes. Yes. She, she tried to take the cigarette out of the pack and just punched herself in the face. Um, at this, as, as the goblin, as uh, polyester crumb walks back in, he says, um, for your next course, we have, um, fagotini or champignon, tresor de bois, portemoin madir, which in Lemon's terms is a mushroom filled pasta with wild fresh mushrooms, pumpkin and madeira as little plates appear in front of you, as he just, servants clear away the other courses. Uh, Eliza's barely touched her scallops as they get cleared away and the, the staff wander off with them. As we pan back down to the kitchens to find Belsiar sweeping between various cookery stations, dipping his finger in things. Does anyone look particularly miserable? Very like. Serving girls. Have you met a chef? <laughs> 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 apart from the, apart from the Make chefs. Make me a perception check. Make me a perception check. Shout out to You beautiful actors. Uh, six. Six. Everyone is to one purpose. This, this brigade, uh, of cooks is to one purpose, which is to put out fine food. As you see, everyone has a job and everyone is in their place doing their job. As you see, I'm going to make something up. I think it's a sous chef wanders around checking that everything is to standard and quality. As he comes near you, you see this um, gaunt looking tabaxi with just a whiff of cocaine on the end of his nostril <laughs> looks at you and says, who are you? Uh, je suis Pierre, 
I am the new uh, uh, meat chef. I prepare all the meats. Maybe a deception check. Man doesn't know how to use fire. <laughs> I can't help it. Uh, 13. Jesus, he rolled a 12. As he looks at you, slightly unsure, but then he looks over at, um, there's a, um, a, um, a, a younger chef who's currently, um, burning a, um, simple white sauce as he doesn't have enough time to kind of piss about and as he's like yeah all right yeah well look meat station's over there as he points you towards a flaming griddle which currently has a rotisserie pig on it that's just dripping hot fats uh, onto coals as he's like get on with it quickly magnifique monsieur um I'll, I'll i'll go over there as you as you see him go off and kind of like um yeah he's having a go at the younger chef and you hear him shouting and slapping the younger chef around a bit as you're presented with this ginormous rotisserie pig that every so often the eyeballs of the pig as it rotates around stare at you in judgment (laughs) as it drips hot fat onto the coals. Um, I don't know how, how hard can it be? Can I like ladle some juice over the top of it or? Oh yeah. You see one of the other chefs comes and is like, Right, next course is ready. Uh, I'm going to need uh, three portions of rice pork, please. And looks at you with a giant, he's got a giant silver tray ready to put the meat on. This calls for a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Not just any knife. Name of the episode. Um, Those are some nice chefs you got there. It would be a real shame if I was to murder them. <laughs> Um, no, as tempting as it is to just hit, hit a rotisserie, <laughs> I'm pretty sure some people would die. Um, Type five by five room. Don't go in there. That's a kill box. <laughs> just ice. And ice <laughs> as as you're working out what to do, you look over at the young chef who's waiting with the silver platter. For the, for the slices of hot roast pork, as you almost have an out of body experience, as Jeff, Jeremy's face appears over the top of him <laughs> and flashes backwards and forwards as you start having flashbacks to small, as you could almost hear the ghostly form of a wet hacking cough in the background. <laughs> as the kids are, can we hurry up, please? Uh, service is everything. Um, yeah, I, I, I need portions of hot roast pork. Come on, I'm not getting beaten for this. I I resist the urge to have a have a flashback and 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 like start crying. Um, yeah, I'll 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 do my best to cut off some some ham hock. Um, make me a sleight of hand check. Five, <laughs> five. As you cut into it. Uh, you start the first slice comes off beautifully, almost like, you know, a knife through hot butter. The first layer of roast pork with dripping comes off the crackling of the skin as you put it on the platter. The second one, um, is going well. You get part way through as unfortunately some of the hot fat drips off one of the legs of the pig and lands on your hand as you shriek in pain and push too hard with the knife. Like almost like a pottery wheel gone out of control. The pig spins <laughs> as 
uh, you slice into his stomach as entrails splat onto the coals. As there's this hot hideous spraying everywhere. Hot fat and entrails on on burning hot coals as this stench goes up. As um, it's a bit of a disaster. Um, as you hurriedly slice off anything you can find off the bones. So from left to right on the tray, it goes from a beautiful, clean, crisp cut of meat. And on the right-hand side, you've just got like a leg as you've had to (laughs) hurriedly slap together anything you want, as there is a fetid stench of burning offal and entrails coming off the coals. As you hear the sous chef is like, Pierre, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Hang on, I'm I'm no butcher, but don't they take that out? I wasn't going to mention. Yeah, I don't think entrails are in That's how that's <laughs> a low roll. Hey, this is fine. What do we know about Michelin-starred food? Come on, when was any? What, what do any of us know about fine dining? Always leave the shit. <laughs> <laughs> those rich people, they love those entrails. <laughs> Just tell them they're slugs. Yeah. They're fine with it. Sweet meats. Mm. Awful. Mm. We've all had a kebab. Nope. Um, oh, this is poop. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you've never had a kebab? You've had a kebab. I'm not, I, I've never had a kebab. Right. This never been feasted, I've never had a donut kebab. <laughs> like really? You've never had a donut no kebab? You've never had a donut kebab? Break the fourth wall. What the fuck is this? Yeah, I never had a What do you kebab. eat after a night you've out? never uh, yeah, what the hell do you eat after a night out? Cheesy chips. Oh man! Oh, no, but what did, no, yeah, but the, I never really got the bug. But 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 next to the cheesy chips, you have more cheesy yeah. chips. A, a certain. Do you know that thing that looks like a sort of elephant's foot <laughs> rotating on a pole? You you you've never partaken of the the forbidden meats. No. I mean, it's, it's not a bad thing if you haven't. It's it's probably a better. For my, all go-to, concerned, my, my go-to pizza as a child yeah. used to be donuts, donuts. donut meat pizza. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the eighties and nineties were a different time. <laughs> um, and then Jamie Oliver came along and ruined that for everybody. <laughs> um, right, okay. Now that we've all been rocked and scandalised by um, Chris's fine living and you know healthy take on life uh, and you've no all judged me no for my fantasy cookery no one's ever accused me of that <laughs> that's not it's not true you can't tell me how to cook a fantasy pig fuck me so much judgment if they want to cook it with the entrails in to seal in that flavor they will yeah, i'm never Seriously. letting you cook for me <laughs> <laughs> you see loads of un veined prawns <laughs> Tastes nice and sandy. They left the shit vein in the prawn. Yeah. yeah, in the same way they've left the they've left the um, poop vein inside the pig. <laughs> the poop vein. This is a man who is an expert at anatomy. The poop vein. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I like it in the poop vein. <laughs> yes. Wait, no, say that again. Say that again. Look at me right in the eyes and say it. I, I... <laughs> I like it in the poop vein. There we go. So, any of this. Right. Right. <laughs> getting, getting back yeah. to the storyline. Um, as, well, yeah, what, what are you doing? As, um, you see, what are you um, doing? the, 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 the fat and, and all the kind of offal is just steaming up on the grill. Um, as you take out a scraper and you hurriedly try to, you know, it was a pristine oh. grill before oh. you've totally fucked it up. 
Um, Why? Does the I I've been confronted, or has anyone noticed? No, you see, you see him. He's like service is backing up. So basically, a kitchen in a scenario like this is a well-oiled machine. Everyone's doing their bit, and everyone is almost like a symphony. Everything's happening in time, on cue, and to a purpose, and everyone's playing their part. You have royally fucked it up by um, going off piste and you know slow down part of the service so a bit like on a factory floor you know if there's a jam in one part of the machinery everything backs up behind it on the conveyor belt so all the chefs are now looking at you as the sous chef is waving a cleaver knife at you in a really kind of cliched way from the other side of the kitchen as he's like come on pierre what the fuck's going on as the small child, the small child, they're not a small child, as the younger chef tries to take the tray of meat to the pass, the, um, the, the, the head chef is like, what the fuck is this? We cannot serve this. This is I, not a tranche of meat. I, I take a moment to, to gaze just long enough silent that, that everyone's like, what the fuck's he doing? Um, and then I say, we serve the poop. <laughs> it's a it's a new frontier in uh, in uh, in in hot cuisine. We serve the poop. Make make me a perception. Uh, make me a persuasion check. Well, I've never. No, I want to this. We serve the poop. There's your episode title. Yes, that's a four. LCR's <laughs> big day, everyone. <laughs> you see, you see a moment where he thinks about it. Now, in the name of Michelin-starred food, many terrible crimes against cookery are being committed. As he almost, you can see him imagining the poop vein on a platter in front of his eyes. As he's like, "No, my reputation would be in tatters. I cannot serve the poop vein." Um, as he's like, get out of my kitchen, Pierre. As he rips the chef's whites off the front of you and points to the doors at the back of the kitchen. You are fired. I quit. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll take this as a win. Like no one's, no one's tried to attack me. I've lost nothing. I'll, I'll storm out. You storm out the doors at the back and you find yourself in a corridor um, leading, you're now underground as you've gone down in the dumb waiter. As you find yourself in a corridor with various doors off it to the left and right, and various house servants scuttling around. These ones aren't chefs; they're in like suits and uh, bow ties. As these are clearly the house servants. As uh, up to the right hand side, you see a laundry room where you know great big vats of laundry are being washed to one side we're just going to leave you there for a minute and we're going to very quickly pick back up in the main dining room as um one of the chefs comes um one of the servants comes in and whispers something in warbrance's ear um as he's finished telling a story um and he's the only one laughing at his own stories as warbrance is like oh I'm, I'm very sorry to say apparently there's been some sort of hold up in the kitchen and the next course will be slightly delayed i do hope that's all right Cool. As he claps his hands and more wine comes around. Mm, that's good, no no juice. <laughs> I, I look how much looks a little bit pissed off. <laughs> Looking at your <laughs> Yeah. 
the sommelier pours you an extra like portion of drink like a portion of drink that's not an expression he he sees like you get double measures in your in your next serving good lovely very sorry apparently there was some sort of issue with one of the contractors in the kitchen can't get the staff these days do you use contractors often Yes, yes. I mean, you know, good hands are hard to come by sometimes, and we do like to, you know, have the very best of things where we can do. And, you know, we like to nurture up-and-coming talent. We've taken on, you know, people who've um, found themselves unemployed or made redundant, but we've also taken some of the very best chefs that, you know, we could find in the local community. And, and we find that if you use local produce, you get good results. I mean, we, for, for instance, we, we use many of our own vegetables from the garden. We have a, we have a vegetable patch. Um, we grow many of our own vegetables on the grounds. Mm. Some of the things you were eating came from our very gardens here. Oh, I, I don't mind waiting for a better, better quality plate. You know, as long as the poop veins, you know, perfect. Then. <laughs> when that poop veins, real veiny, <laughs> cooked all the way through. Real brown, real veiny. You don't, you don't like your poop vein raw. Raw um, is healthy. As uh, as you see, Eliza is um, Eliza's looking rather sheepish. Um, she's clearly not enjoying this at all. As she makes her excuses and says, "Oh, I'm very tired. I may, I may have to call it a night. I'm afraid." As she stands up and she nods curtly to you all, locking eyes with you, Tatty, for a moment, holding your, holding your. Eyes for just a little bit too long as she nods at you and um, backs off and says, well, early night for me. Thank you very much. Lovely to meet you. As she heads up around the side of the table and starts walking away, she pauses partly to stare back at the stiff crocoborn form wedged into its chair at an angle. And she shakes her head and carries on walking. As at some point, one of the waiters comes to collect his plate and, um, says having not eaten anything so far or touched his wine the waiter is like was everything with your starter to your taste uh, yes yeah, i'm really sorry but he he doesn't talk to the staff he's he's a bit rude like that um he's, he's just not very he's playing <laughs> for the main course he can only have one course so we should tell you before he should tell you before but he doesn't no. so. okay a diet yeah. as they take the scallops and, and the plate away can i um, wait like I don't know, ten seconds or something. Ten fifteen seconds after Eliza's gone, uh, and then uh, very kind of sheepishly say, um, "I'm just gonna go use the restroom. Uh, that's all right. I'll be I'll be back shortly." Uh, and then um, skitter off uh, in the direction that she went. Um, <laughs> I just turned to, to, to fake Belsa. They're totally gonna bang. Fake <laughs> <laughs> Belsia's like. As you say that, um, finally, after all the kicking and shoving you've said, the uh, taxidermy crocoborn's jaw just hangs open <laughs> as you say that. Uh, <laughs> And a leathery tongue just flaps out the front in shock. <laughs> like a seven feet on this wall down. It's like a clown car of a crocodile. No. Um, 
as you just you just slowly push his jaw back up again <laughs> with your hand. Um, as Jonty is like looking at this, like he's a man who's taken way too many drugs in his time, and he's not quite sure what the fuck he's seeing. Um, as Aristobulus is still holding his hand really awkwardly, Aristobulus is just like stroke, stroke the furry wall, stroke the furry wall. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Tatty, you're following her by stealth. I take it. Um, You're trying to be subtle. Not, mm, not necessarily. So you see her twenty meters in front of you, going into, um, she's going into the library in front of you. As so you see a room twenty meters ahead, as she goes through the the double doors into it, with you know these beautiful leather bound um, tomes um, that that are you know it's got that thing that I've always wanted myself. I'm breaking the fourth wall here. I've always wanted a library so big. You've got one of those shitty like ladders on wheels um, um, yes. that kind of like move up and down. Yeah, yeah, it's one of them. I've always wanted one of them. Um, as you see her going in, and she turns a corner into the library, as you lose sight of her. Um, I think just just before she goes out of sight, I want to try and do like a whisper that carries down the hallway, like Eliza, Eliza. I oh, like, yeah, like a dead relative on my three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the few times I've ever actually meant it. Made me a performance check, I think. It's got to be a sort of performance because you, you could be performance or stealth. You're, you, you're trying to whisper subtly with that. Mm, okay. I'll, I'll go with stealth. Uh, I'll take that handy plus 10. Thank God for the plus 10. That's an 18. 18. She goes to turn around the corner. You, you cup your hands around your mouth and you go, Eliza. <laughs> um, as she stops, turns, looks around, turns around, looks eyes at you, cocks her head and walks straight into the room quickly, having seen you. I'll um, walk slightly quicker to try and catch up with her into that room. As you... Make your way towards the room as you come towards the edge of the library. You hear a noise, like a scraping noise and a clunk click as you make your way into the library just in time to see one of the panels of the bookshelf slide across and click into place, much akin to a false door in the bookshelf. As you look around, there's now nobody in the library. Amazing. Um, I'm going to walk in and just do like, I guess I'll, I guess first I'll do like a quick perception check of like generally the library itself. Um, and then I'll, and then I'll do an Mm -hmm. investigation check to like try and find if I know which, which wall was like the fault. You know which panel it is. Yes. Yeah. Then I'll try and find where the, um, like the mechanism, like how to release it and how to open it. Um, I'll give you. Mm-hmm. I'll give you the. Sure, sure, sure. I'll give you the perception check first. Uh, perception. Sure. Perception. I got seventeen. Um, and investigation. I got nat twenty. Ooh, nat twenty. Okay. My little. My little. Um, mention twenty dice so that, says, that says hell yeah instead of twenty. <laughs> <laughs> because because Dimension Twenty really needs the advertising. They really They've do. fallen on hard times recently. Their their quality's really dropped off. And I, s- I swear to God, AJ, I swear to God, I will, I will, I will come for you. 
I'll come for you. Brennan, he doesn't mean it. He's just saying it. To, that sounds horrible. Please don't say that. <laughs> say, saying it to make me mad. Sorry, um, Brennan, we love you. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he, he needs the affirmation. Um, right, yeah, so perception, yeah, roll, good roll. So as you walk in, you look around, and it's got that lovely kind of musty, leathery smell about it, this library is. You know, anyone who's ever, you know, bought a book and sniffed the bindings will know is this beautiful smell of, of information and knowledge. Um, it's full of, there's a Chesterfield in one corner in these leather wing-backed chairs, and you see sort of like a coffee table with various periodicals scattered across it in the corner. Um, there's a harpsichord, and um, there's another chandelier from the ceiling, um, and all the walls are lined with various books, volumes, all of which seem to be in their place. Some of them are like, you know, encyclopedias with various numbers and others are kind of categorized. You see little plaques above them and say things like biology, history, um, psychology, things like that. This is a, this is a well-kept library. As you see, it's a two-tier library as well. There's another floor above and a little, one of those things that people always call spiral staircases, which isn't a fucking spiral because the spiral goes into a point. It's actually a helical staircase <laughs> that goes round. Um, You'd have to get thinner and thinner as you walked up if it was actually a spiral. I've heard a lot of pedantry in my time, but that, that's... that's hey, hats off to that. I'm just saying, it's not a fucking spiral. Is, a seashell is a fucking spiral, and it is, gets thinner. This is AJ's Avatar Papyrus moment. Uh, <laughs> yes. Papyrus! <laughs> Sorry, listeners, I apologise for um, yeah, as you see a twisty, turny staircase, one of the metal ones that goes up to the second floor. As you look back with your, with your investigation, um, this is where you, you look around. You, you know the panel because you saw it click back into place. As you look at it, you, you realize there are actual books on there. The door includes the books on it, if that makes sense. They're not fake. It's not, you know, a painting and then amongst all the other books. It's a real fucking bookcase. But as you look down on the floor, you see, you see the dust is different on the floor in this section as clearly people come and go through this portal. You work out purely from, you know, what you've seen, what you know, and at the speed with which you walked into the room that whatever the trigger is, it must be something pretty nearby because you didn't see her wander back across the other side of the room or, you know, there wasn't enough time. It must be something in this immediate area that that triggered the door as you look around taking in all sorts of things you know there's a statue off to one side um in alabaster and um you see a lampshade to one other side and there's various books on the bookshelf which are actual books as you pull one out and put it back on you're like fuck they're actual books on the bookshelf the trigger could be any one of these books um and that's where we're going to pause quickly for a drinks break because we have to finish at 10 p.m because we're apparently chatting to the patrons as well, if any of you can actually hang on afterwards. Patrons? We're going to have a quick five-minute drink break here. Also, because I have the bladder of a three-year-old. But where do you keep it? <laughs> That's disgusting. Right. Picking up where we left off. Fact. I've got an idea. Hold on. I've got a great idea. Oh, no. We could have a sponsor. Oh, no. Adventurers Anonymous will return after these short words. Ah, it's the end of a long, hard day. I like nothing more than to slip into a comfy pair of slippers and uncork a bottle of felch water. 
The clean, crisp taste of Felchwater reaches places other spirits cannot. Made from all natural ingredients in a single monastery of celibate monks in the Shatfati Mountains, Felchwater is the taste you can rely on to clear both your mind and your spirit. So next time you feel down, reach for the brown and make it a Felch. Always drink responsibly. Felchwater has been linked to ADHD in rats in a recent study. Always consult your doctor before consuming. <laughs> Back to the show. Quite a week away, yeah. There you go. Wow. We got yeah. a sponsor. Someone's had. Yeah, I've got nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But we needed a sponsor. I reached out to the Trappist Munts in the Sharfati Mountains and they said they'd like to sponsor us. So, you know, Felchwater are our new um, podcast sponsor. How do we go about, like, getting a short batch uh, of beer brewed with, uh, like, should we make some Felchwater? Let's do it. Yeah, we've been talking about doing our own cocktail, but maybe we could do our own signature. You can get, you can get those, like, really basic, like, beer-making kits. Pretty, pretty cheap. They're very basic ones. Yeah, my mate made one at uni and he went away for the holidays, went back to his parents, he forgot about it. And uh, apparently, I know nothing about the brewing process, but something about the fermentation of yeast and he forgot to release the pressure and he came back and it, uh, whatever it is, had blown up and like everything in his room was dripping in like brown yeast. Um, as he had been to his parents for a week and forgotten all about it. I've always wanted to make That's how the story um, goes, anyway. genuine prison hooch from like scraps. Fermented over a radiator. And apparently, oh. it's horrible, but but I'd, I'd love to do it just once, just to see That's sweet, sweet, sweet prison wine. Just getting you practicing, yeah. so when you get to prison, you're like, okay, I'm good at this. Well, you never yeah. know. Yeah, if you're in, if you find yourself in prison, you'd you'd be like, well, at least I can make myself useful. No one's going to oh. shank me. I'll be the. Um, my grand used to have one of those like. Do you ever seen those things pensioners used to have in the 80s where it was like an alarm clock and a coffee maker in one? So it'd wake you up at like 7 a.m. with a burning hot mug of coffee made. as well as beeping. I always love that idea. I, I always yeah. wanted to, yeah, I've always wanted one of those, but like you could, you could make, you could cook your own bacon on the electric blanket simultaneously. So you could just leave some raw bacon on the end of the bed in the, in the night. And then by the morning, it'll be nice and crispy to go with your burning hot mug of coffee that. You invertedly stick your hand in whilst trying to turn yeah, off the alarm you'd, clock. You'd get really a. confused in the middle. You'd wake yeah. up in the middle of the night smelling cooking bacon and you'd be like, well, it's morning time, better get up. And it's like 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, it'd be so much fun. Also, technically, at this point, you're cooking yourself because if you can cook bacon, your feet must be on fire. <laughs> but let's not worry about that. Let's get back to the matter in hand, the podcast. Let's get back to where are we going to go? Uh, we'll leave Tatty staring at some books and we'll get back to Belsia down in a passageway deep underneath the grounds of Wixley Manor. You find yourself in a corridor and you see little, little, you say gremlins, you see little goblins in tuxedos and like, you know, livery wear, like waddling around quickly as um, you can still hear a kerfuffle coming from the kitchen um, as you make your way down the corridor, yeah, like I said, you can see the laundry room to the right hand side. Um, can I can I find like the servants' quarters? Like, they, they, I'm assuming they like have places they sleep on this level. 
I mean, as you wander around, you you look at the comings and goings of the various goblins. You look into the laundry room and you see a um, particularly elderly looking goblin with like saggy boobs um, using a mangle as she's crushing out a uh, all the moisture out of a starched shirt. Um, not sure why it was starched. Um, as you see, the goblins coming one way look refreshed refreshed and the goblins going the other way look tired as using your powers of deduction you can see the goblins going off shift uh, heading further down the corridor okay I'll, I'll follow the ones going off shift you see some of them are stopping off in a room to the right hand side as you make your way in you see a locker room uh, with various pegs and benches in it as you see all sorts of different staff coming and going off duty um, with steam coming out of a shower at the far end, as you see a communal shower with various goblins with towels around their midriffs coming and going out of a communal shower. So are these sexy goblins? Uh, make me a perception check. Six. <laughs> Six. Um, um, you take a moment to get in tune with how your cloaca is feeling, and it is arid. So um, there's nothing going on. You, you're green, they're green. That's about as sexy We're as We're all green gets. down here, um, yeah. It's good to check in with your own sexuality occasionally just to make sure things haven't changed, because they can change. There's nothing to say your sexuality can't change with time. But you are not one... He's going to get turned on by a goblin. Not a goblin sexual, yeah. You were open to it? No. Um, you are not goblin positive. You're you're pretty ambivalent towards the whole naked goblin thing. As, <laughs> as you see a small goblin, like, um, take a towel off. Um, as you look at him, he's okay. I mean, as goblins go, he's not unattractive. Uh, you can see his little <laughs> coin purse hanging between his legs. And you think, yeah, that's for someone. But for me, no, not so much. As you've held his gaze too long, as he looks at you, he's like, what are you looking at, you fucking perfect? Excuse, excuse me, I'm just trying to gauge if I have sexual feelings towards goblins. Please go to the <laughs> Oh, by all means. Oh, in that case, here, have a look. As, as he's like, not doing it for me, but I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's someone out, out there for you. And for oh, me. thank you very much. I've been, um, I've been, I've been, Living alone for a while now since my wife died, but it's good to hear that there'll be someone for me. I'm sure you'd be, yeah. You'd... Just it's not you. No, no. But uh, good, good luck. <laughs> well, thank you very much for appraising me. I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't mind being objectified. As he just goes on, he puts on a pair of like tight chinos and a ridiculous Hawaiian shirt, and just walks out the front door of the changing room. He's clearly off duty. Um, yeah, is there anything? Is there it's going to sound way too flirty if you ask him where the servants' quarters are. I was about to say, he's clearly off duty. No, I'll, well, I, it's going to be awkward if I follow him, but I guess I have no choice. I, I, I kind of follow a non-creepy You stick the end of your snout. Trying to be subtle is difficult whilst you're a crocoborn because your face is about two foot long. As... <laughs> The snout of a crocodile appears from round the door, subtly peeking out um, <laughs> as he leans out. As you see the um, you see the goblin in the hideous Hawaiian shirt walking down the tunnel away from the kitchens 
towards the set of double doors at the end. Okay, away from the kitchens. Yeah, in the opposite direction. Okay, I'll um, yeah, I'll, I'll head down there. I'll go for the doors. Make me if you're trying to stay at a, at a sensible distance. Make me a stealth check. Yeah, I guess kind of ish. Uh, ten. Ten. As you, you know, every so often he slows down, he stops to tie a shoelace and you have to stop equidistant behind him and pretend to look at something on a, on a cork board on the wall. There's like a notice, um, saying, has anyone found like, um, a lost wallet? And you carry on after a while and you see him vanish in some double doors as the doors swing both ways. And, um, uh, the dwarf, oh yeah, you wouldn't have seen a dwarf, um, comes out the other way. He's clearly coming on to, on duty um as you work out that probably the servants quarters are beyond those double doors um i'll burst through those doors burst through the doors <laughs> yeah like a little burst like blue not subtly not, not like a police officer kicking no in the front door. no like a like or, a, a, a five out of ten where 10 is oh, like biggest. a 5 out of 10. So yeah. slowly revealed like a prize on a game show. The door peels <laughs> that's right. open that's what I'm as you stand there leaning against, <laughs> that's what I'm going for. against the door jam. <laughs> the price is right. <laughs> as you make your way in, you see, um, uh, you see various rooms. They're, they're um, communal rooms. There's about 10 of them. And each room is stacked with bunk beds and little communal reading and living areas. Um, and you see on each door is a Roman numeral going around. Um, there's various people come and go, and you know, there's people waking up, there's people sleeping. It's a 24-hour job running a house like this. Um, there's so many people, nobody really gives you a second look. Um, you even see a crocoborn come in the same way, um, coming towards the double doors, and he's in a he's in like a... He's in a proper dinner suit. As, as he nods to you. I really hope he's a meat chef. I really hope that's how, that's how Belsayar flirts with him. Now that's a man who knows what to do with his meat. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, can I, can I, can I grab this, uh, this crocoborn? Grab it? I mean, in a, woo. So you pick him up by his lapels. No, in a in a in a in a, in a gentle way, a five out of ten way. My whole oh, in a five, my out, whole of way. Is five okay, out of ten Yeah, picking him up, like do you know, in the fairground where you have those claw <laughs> games. Um, as you, you <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, yeah, as, as you arrest his movement as he's walking down the corridor with purpose, about to go out onto shift to look after the residents of this house. You put an arm out in front of him, and he pauses a good distance away. As you look up at him, and he makes eye contact with you, he nods and says, "All right, how are you doing? What can I help you?" Well, this is my dragonborn friend. Uh, he looks at you for a while, and he says. All right, I see what you're doing there, but that's racist. I was born here. Don't be talking oh, to I'm me sorry. I... in Crocronic. I'm not from Crocadia. I didn't grow up there. I grew up here. So I'm very sorry. I, I'm I don't sorry. speak I... Crockish. No, I think I've, I've learned something about myself today. But um... You probably shouldn't assume that everyone who no. looks like us grew up there. That's right. 
I uh, well, let, let me apologize and and uh, that's all right. Um, what what I really wanted to ask was, um, you work here. You're 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 a servant here. No, I'm a robber. <laughs> of course, oh, I work yeah. here. <laughs> oh, you. I like you. No, of course I do. Yeah, no, I work here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, the librarian. Oh, sweet. And I, I guess, I mean, you seem pretty happy. You seem pretty. You're not being. Well, I mean, I'm heavily um, medicated. I, I, I'm on Tamazepam. No, that's the wrong drug. I'm not on Tamazepam at all. <laughs> I, I, don't, don't fall into that trap. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm on the happy pills. Um, I'm on crocosillin. But um, I just take it for the uppers. You know, it really helps regulate my mood. Okay. Well, I'm trying. I'm nervous. Sorry, I don't do well with this. I'm very sorry. I'm blabbering. What can I do you for? No, I- I'm Sandor, S- Sandor the librarian. Sandor, I'm I'm Belsia from House Mathish. Oh, lovely to meet you, Belsia. Just gestures vaguely in the direction of the correct pronunciation. Yeah, I I mean, are you enslaved? Are they going to? Make you what? into a taxidermy exhibit. What? I'm, I'm not comfortable where this conversation is going right now. I mean, um, no, I'm a librarian. I've got tomes and dusty books, and I, you know, sometimes I ask for them to buy a missing volume here or there. I suppose I'm free to go, but who? No one else has a library collection like, like the Wixleys. I. I'm not sure what to take of that. Well, it's just normally, I mean, I've got a tendency to, to, to be involved in arson related incidents. Um, and this, this, <laughs> some, sometimes a place like this, you think maybe if it burned down, that would be a, a bonus. But I'm getting the feeling that that might not necessarily be the best, uh, the best way out for this. Forget I said anything. As it he was holds out a to hand towards you, and he unfurls it, and you see a red pill. As he's like, "What you want to do is take one of these. You're jibber jabbering. This'll really <laughs> just even you out." I'll, I'll take it, but I won't take it. As you take it I'll and just tuck it. it into your top pocket. <laughs> <laughs> As he's like, just just be careful, all right. But you know, you take that; that'll even you out. It's what we like to call a leveler. Okay, you seem to be a little bit tense. Also, just to clarify, I don't know whether this is leading towards a relationship or some such. But I'm quite busy and married to my job right now, so you know, this will have to be purely sexual if it's anything. <laughs> I don't have time for a relationship. Wow. That's, that's, that's a lot of assumptions to make. But, um. Well, I'm a busy uh, man. I understand my age. You know, you're just random conversations <laughs> with people. It's people. I, just, I do love the amount of NPCs that just state their sexual preference. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I feel like about 10 and like, just FYI, don't want to bang. Okay, just, just straight FYI, out of it. Just just just, um, I'm, I'm, I'm fully, 
fully into that. Straight out of the gate. It's important to have clear boundaries. Everyone knows that. We live in a fantasy universe where there's, there's no shades of grey. Everything is just black and white. Like how to gut a roast pig. Um, as he's like, you're just, just a clever... Anyway, right, uh, that library's not you know, going to look after itself. i got to go, but... Um, do you want do you want to meet again? Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, very forward. I mean, I mean, I might. I, I'll I'll tell you what. If I get a chance, I'll swing by the library. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. Go I'll, I'll 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 see you there. I'll uh, I'll. Uh, All right. Well, like I said, gonna... Sandor, and uh, he goes to shake your hand. Uh, I feel like I'm being led into a trap, but I'll shake his hand. You shake his hand, and as he turns and walks out the doors, you look down, and there's now a blue pill in that hand that he's just palmed off on you with his handshake. Ooh. Oh, interesting. Interesting. If you put them both together, it will make purple in your belly. <laughs> this isn't Resident <laughs> Evil where you mix the plant. <laughs> you don't know. One pill will make you smaller. <laughs> <laughs> right as we leave Belsia with a red pill in one hand and a blue pill in the other hand we're definitely getting copyright sued by the Matrix at this point um, we are we're going to very quickly we're going to very quickly pan back to Hanash and Maud and Aristobulus who are all sitting around the table and after the kerfuffle with the poo vein in the kitchens they managed to get things somewhat back on track as uh, the little um, chef waddles out again, and he says, um, All right, uh, just so you know, we are now ready to um, serve you your dessert. We have uh, a rose de pomme, cuit au caramel, fouillette, et glace à la vinaigre. <laughs> as he's like, Caramelized baked apple rose, crisp pop pastry, and Madagascan vanilla ice cream. That's a very, very, very interesting dessert before mains. I'm into it. Yeah. You've had your mains already. <laughs> ah, of course, my, my belly is so full. <laughs> <laughs> um, as he's like, enjoy. As the cloche is lifted in front of you and you see this beautiful arrangement of, you know, apple and ice cream um, with a beautiful whiff of vanilla. Um, yeah, what are you doing? Uh, as John T's looking restless, he hasn't been out of his bedroom for this long in an age. He's got the look of a man who needs to masturbate in the next five minutes or he's possibly going to start, you know, leaking. I'm, I'm surprised um, that isn't, he's giving very a, isn't giving him an uh, under-table job. Um, so what I was probably listening what wait I've got it I've got it I've got it I can't get that mental image you just hear a banging underneath the table as the candle starts no what Aristobulus does Aristobulus is gonna is gonna look at John uh, John T and he's gonna cast command on him and the command word is going to be abstain Boom! <laughs> no way! It was even the man was wank. <laughs> that's the episode. That's he, the episode. He's got John T. <laughs> um, John T is looking 
like a man who needs a release. You just see he's, he's going like he's clucking. He's he's fully like going cold turkey here. Um, you just see sweat billowing off his brow as he starts shaking and a paleness and a pallidness and a gauntness as you see he's starting to get heavy in the breath as it's been at least an hour since he last masturbated as um you cast command on you aristobulus cast command on him as you see a calmness appear over him um as he settles back into himself um, but he is still full. At that point, clear fluid just drips out the front of his nostrils, um, like just straight down the front of him as he's fully backed up and hasn't released himself. It just starts trickling out the front of, him, out of, his, out nostrils. of his nostrils. As what? <laughs> yeah. He's fully tight. You know, it's like it's it's just. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's all backed up inside him. Read read a book. Chris. I thought it was just female anatomy yeah, that you were about at. What animal is he? I don't think you get read an encyclopedia. Yeah, read a book, Chris. I got an A star at GCSE biology. Yeah. 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 Ever ever heard of something called Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> yeah. Look it up. And yeah, just read it. His fallopian tubes are wired up to his sinuses. Um, if indeed he has fallopian tubes, um, right. Nope. As uh, you see, like clear fluid dripping out the front of his face, down the front of his oh shirt, as god. he's as John T's like, he's like, oh god, yes. Well, I've got to go. Goodbye. Good night. As uh, he snatches up the harp, looks back, squeezes Aristobulus's hand, nods at him, and scuttles off uh, out the same door that uh, Eliza left from. Earlier. Big claim. Might be the most disturbed I've been in this game. <laughs> Could be. Could be. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is, I wonder where you've all got lines in the sand, but. He is clearly some a kind man of. with semen dripping out of his nostrils. Is. Clearly some kind of alien. Uh, <laughs> alien man with a dick for a nose. Um, in disguise this whole time. You've been walking around with a woman with a dick for a nose. For the last yeah, clear difference. Clear half. difference, though. We never saw her shoot fucking semen out of that nose. <laughs> Every time she blew her nose, she was orgasming. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Oh, I'm going to get, get, get Shant and murder you. <laughs> I lo- I've I've never seen Chris Rag look this awkward. Chris, Chris Rag literally get, is so line. awkward. Three weeks off, three weeks off. Sorry, we'll get you a copy Ooh, of uh, Grey's Anatomy for Christmas. A copy of Grey's Anatomy. Um, I would give a you my copy. Mine. I'd lend you. I'd lend you my copy of Grey's Anatomy, but some of the pages are stuck together. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Make him stop. Okay, we'll get Don't want it anymore. <laughs> we'll get through it. We'll get through it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's cool. It's cool. I got a net 20, so I'm going to find that false wall, and I'm going to get through it, and I'm going to... I'll. He's going to sort everything out. It's okay, okay. Did, did no one touch me for a while. Okay. <laughs> 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 we're, going to, we're going to leave that there. We're going to put a pin in it, and we'll come back to it. One no, we will time. never come back to it. I'm just going to leave that there for our own. For, we wish I never mentioned this again. 
Pan forward to Chris Rag looking through Gray's Anatomy in the index, trying to find the word cloaca. I was just going to say, I was going to say, we've gone this far about mentioning cloaca, and there no, it is. No, 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 that's the second mention. No, cloaca. I mentioned it earlier. Yeah, actually. Yeah, I said you got oh, in touch okay. with your cloaca to see how you. Oh yeah. yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yes. What you can't see here on my DM board, I've got lots of little post-it notes with buzzwords on it, like. Um, Cloaca and you know semen nose. Um Cornish accent. Um right. So getting back to Tatty. You are standing in front of a bookshelf that you know to have a secret door built into it that Eliza went through some five minutes ago. Did I as you look did around I, did I find the um the the key to opening it on that nat 20 you look around and you first of all you play with the statue you look at it and you try things you try to push in the eyes tweak the nose put your finger in its mouth nothing nothing happening you look over at the light on the wall and and it's like a oh god because this is a library and you don't want naked flames in a library, it's got almost like a hurricane jar to prevent the candle getting, uh, the, the, the wick, the lit wick of the candle getting anywhere near the books. It's got like a glass. And you look at it and again, you do all the kind of tropish things in films. You try and turn it at an angle to see whether it's got like a lever or a switch in it, but nothing happening. And then you look back at the books and you see some of the books have dust disturbed on top of them. Most of it is a thin patina of dust, but some of the books have fingerprints pushed into the dust at the top of them. Um, I guess looking at the ones that look like they have the least dust on them or like the, the most obvious like fingerprint mark in, in, those, uh, in the kind of dust patina, um, I'll try those ones first, like try pulling them. Uh, pulling them out, uh, moving them, um, or like taking them out and like f- just like quickly flicking through the pages just to see if there's like a key in any of them or something like that. You go to pull the first one out, and as you pull it, there's a click as the book comes part way out and won't come any further. And as you release it, it goes back in with a click. Hmm. Did that do anything to the to the false? That alone didn't, no. But there are five or six books that have similar dust markings on them. Okay. I'll try pulling that one out so it's halfway out and then experimenting with some of the other ones to see if some combination um, does anything. Make me a straight-up pure investigation check. Um, Oh, no, that's not my character sheet. Uh, uh, that is a 19. 19, yeah. So you know roughly five of them. You establish five of them with the dust on. All of these are false books. As you pull one out and it clicks back into place, you pull another one out, it clicks back into place. You wait, nothing. Pull another one out, clicks back into place. And you're like, shit. You try around various combinations of the click, 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 click. You lean back in frustrations. You pull the final one out and there's a click. As the door 
opens in front of you as the bookshelf slides slowly to one side and you see it's on rollers. As in front of you, you see a dark passageway. I whisper to myself, jackpot. <laughs> and I uh, <laughs> stealth, stealthily go into the passageway. Uh, just, seeing if, just thinking if there's a way I can close it behind me, but that might not be a good idea. Although she did the same thing, right? She closed it behind her. As you look on the walls to see whether you can find a release lever to return it, make me a perception check. Uh, Oh, not too bad. Fifteen. Fifteen. You see on the wall there's a um, wooden pull switch. As you reach up to pull it, you hear a noise behind you. As you go to turn, you feel a hand clamped over your mouth and something sharp digs into your neck as everything goes warm and dark, as your vision fades into darkness and you fall into a sleep. And that is where we're going to leave this week's episode. (laughs) After semen comes out, you know, it's from all the erotica. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) If you can't beat it. (laughs) Wow. There we go. So, listeners, we are going to leave that on a cliffhanger as as Tatty has just been... um, Murdered. Knocked out and sedated. Uh, We're going to leave Belsiar on the cusp of an awkward date with another Crocoborn. He's just going from lover to lover at the moment, except now narcotics are involved. (laughs) And um, we'll, we'll leave Hanash sitting next to... A taxidermied crocoborn stiffly sitting in its chair at an angle as, as Hanash slowly eats away at vanilla flavored ice cream. And that is where we will pause with this week's adventure because we need to quickly catch up, some of us anyway, and hopefully going to catch up with some of our patrons and have a chat with them. Well, that's it. That's all we can hope to achieve for one week. Just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's joined us this week for another dollop of fun-packed fantasy fuck nuggetry. Seeing as you've made it this far, why not consider hitting that subscribe button and never miss another episode again? But yet, if you're feeling fruity, why not give us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you are on? All of your reviews and recommendations go a long way towards spreading the words of our misdeeds far and wide. Remember... Patron is chock-a-block full of really cool stuff. There's artwork, fan fiction, uh, maps, there's all sorts. And also you get the opportunity to chat to us as well as some of our patrons are doing this evening. So get involved with Patron. If you fancy chatting to us about anything you've heard over the course of this episode, there's been some absolute deviancy. And if you fancy talking to us about any of the disgusting stuff we've got up to, <laughs> you can do so all across the socials. We're on Instagram, Facebook. Um, your best bet's probably on Twitter, at Adventurers, A-N-O, number one. But you can probably find us on Mastodon, Craigslist, and Gumtree if you look hard enough. So that just leaves time to say a massive goodbye from Mr. Matt Durant, the voice of Belsia. Goodbye. (laughs) Mr. Chris Ragg, who's looking more disturbed by the minute. I feel like I've sent him to a very dark place, listeners. (laughs) Thanks for the memories. 
And of course, it's time to say a massive goodbye from your friend and mine, Mr. Chris Neal, the voice of Tatty Bojangles. Goodbye, my precious blueberries. Right. Well, we're all off to uh, leaf through our copy of Grey's Anatomy. We'll see you back <laughs> here next week. Happy adventure, my friends. It's clearly just a TV show. It is. It is a. It is, it is a, a book. book. It's a book. It's, it's a, a famous book. textbook called Grey's Anatomy. It's what all doctors read whilst what? they study like, That's medicine. That's why the show's called. Why Grey's do you think there's a fucking show called Grey's what? Anatomy? It's a. It's a. It's a. Pun. I don't know what's more surprising, listeners. I need to sign off right now. I don't know what's more surprising: the fact that Mister Chris Neal has never eaten a kebab, or the fact that he doesn't know that one of the most famous medical textbooks ever written is called Grey's Anatomy. Pixar oh, didn't happen. You, Pixar didn't happen. Remember, stay tipsy. Stay tipsy. That's it. There we go. That's the end of that. Well, that went to some weird places. <laughs>